COVID vaccinations for no longer neutral. Black Lives Matter, whether it's a hash. Can't take it no longer. It's minority children that are suffering the most. Begin to have real conversations. No, no longer, longer neutral. neutral. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in to No Longer Neutral. Please don't forget to follow and rate our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at No Longer Neutral. I am Dr. A.D. And I am Dr. Sharice Roper. And I am Dr. Michael Haygood. Why are you sounding so good and uh, arrested over there? You know, I just came back <laughs> from, oh my gosh, the best vacation. Oh, that's cool. We went to J.W. Marriott in Palm Desert. Now, where's Palm Desert? Palm Desert is just outside of uh, Palm Springs. Okay, California. And in California. And um, we typically go to a spot in Palm Desert but this time we decided to go to the hotel because we had seen pictures and all that kind of stuff. So amazing. Every room has balconies mm. looking over the pools. There's a little boat wow. ride that you can take that takes you through okay, the JW. whole little. Right. Uh, ooh, when I, I tell you, I am that. telling you. I do and too. get this. So it's a. It's a gondola kind of thing, oh. right? Okay. Um, and it drops you off at some of the restaurants if wow. you want to go and have like Paris. Yes. Okay. It's nice. So nice. And so uh, the one thing though, my husband was he had to call in to the office for a quick little thing, and someone asked him, "Well, where are you guys staying?" And we told them. He told them, and they they were a young, little younger, and said, "Hey." Did you know that TikTok has the has the JW Marriott as one of the most favorite places in the Southern California area? Get out of here, TikTok. Yes. And we were like, what? We we're in the place that TikTok has told us about. (laughs) So we just had an amazing time. I got a a massage. They have a spa that you can do all day. And a fabulous tan. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Now before you left, you had a party too. I did. Okay, now what was up with that? So we celebrated my um so let me go back in January. We were supposed to do a baby shower for my son and his wife, and we all ended up with COVID. COVID got the best of all of the families. Mm -hmm. And so we couldn't get the money back because it was right at the last minute, but we were able to, you know, um, move the event to a different time period. So we moved it to July um, of quite naturally... Too late for a baby shower, right? right? right. She's here. She's rolling over. She's about to go <laughs> running, right? <laughs> and, so, and so we decided to do um, a casino night. Hey, we wow. had hey. so much fun. DJ, music, food. Um, we also gave away prizes. Oh, no. Oh, I missed well. it. Oh, no. no wait, 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 wait. What kind of prizes? So we... The way that it worked was you played games, you got your chips, you turned in your chips for a raffle ticket. Got it. Mm-hmm. Raffle tickets pulled. You could have gotten money for gas for hey. your car, gift cards for Ooh, gas. We all need gas. We knew that food is high, so we gave away some good oh, gift cards to restaurants. Oh, y'all were thoughtful, thoughtful about your gifts. And then we Purposeful said, you know, gifts. yes, yes. Okay. Then we also gave away some uh, lottery tickets. Wow. So okay. you could win the could big yes. money. No one has called me. I did tell them they had to call me and tell me if they won. Finders Because I get a little bit of the profit. 
Yeah. But they haven't called yet. Now, also, <laughs> now look at you over there. I'm going to pick on both of my, my, my colleagues and my friends and my mates and my, my wonderful ladies today. You over there glowing, too. What's going on with you? What happened last week or a couple of weeks ago? Well, last Friday... Well, one thing is I feel refreshed because I went to a, um, a institute, a summer institute, the California Association of Black School Educators. So wow. we talked about the education of the black boys, which we already know that's a big conversation for another time. So I do feel regenerated and I feel alive and, you know, I feel the charge to go back and do some great work in, in my schools. And on last Friday, thanks to my colleagues and my friends who supported me and came out to witness my swearing in, my first time running for office, woo, I woo, woo, became woo, an elected woo, official woo, woo, for the woo. Compton Unified School Board, woo, woo. Nice. Area B. Okay. And thank you, Michael, Dr. A. Good, for um, facilitating as the host and oh, master welcome. of ceremonies. So welcome. And my mentor, uh, Dr. George McKenna, had the I had the Big privilege. Big up, Dr. McKenna. Dr. McKenna I had the privilege of having him swear me in and read the oath of office. And the uh, incumbent, uh, the Honorable Mae Thomas, held the Bible for me. Wow. So I felt like I had legends uh, of community legends in, in uh, participating in my swearing-in ceremony. My family came out. Josh was there. So I'm that ready. Was the nice. that, that, that was the moment. That was the moment. I done. loved it. Yeah, so just your son just witnessing son. that entire event and yeah. him walking up. It was such a special moment. And so I'm, I'm a, a, an educator who ran for office, not so much a politician. So this is new for me. So I'm excited yet have some little bit of um, – uh, coaching, I would need some coaching from others to support me with helping sure that I navigate through the political system. Wonderful. It seems like we're all three of us sort of, you know, I'm listening to both of you and, you know, there's light and fun and activity and vacation and we're certainly living our own personal lives. But professionally, it sounds like we're all three also having a lot of conversations outside of being on, on the mic around just business, starting your own business, moving in different directions. You know, your career is very important. You know, I want to have this conversation around business and around particularly black businesses that have been trying to start up during the pandemic uh, or post-pandemic. You know, how did they do? What's going on with them? Because I'm hearing various opinions around how do I get this business started? I have this idea. And then we also have those who have started the idea and don't know how to progress even further. You know, mm -hmm. and then we have the other ones that are have become really good at business, but I'm also thinking of those college graduates who oftentimes don't have a focus and say, I want to go into business. I'm going to major in business, but don't have a direction after they get the degree. What's the plan? What's the, you know, have you met with an accountant? Have you done your budget? Those kinds of things. Sharice, what do you think? Well, I'd like to start with a, just a little bit of background or some statistics. Oh, good. I pulled up some information from the Network Journal. Perfect. And it states that black entrepreneurs launch thousands of new businesses every year. Wow. Yet they are failing at very high rates. Hmm. Overall, 20% of small businesses generally fail within the first year. Say that again. 20% of small businesses generally hmm. fail okay. within the first year. All right. And about 50% make it to the five-year mark. Hmm. And 62% survive to be a decade old. Those are just general. Right. Okay. Everybody. Right. Got it. So for African Americans, though, mm. the stick statistics can be even grimmer. Mm -mm. Eight out of 10, 
Let's think about that. Eight Ooh, out of ten. Don't say fail. Black-owned businesses fail. Uh, but wait, within the first 18 months. Get out of here. So that means oh, there are only horrible. two out of the ten that are successful beyond 18 months. Mm. So let's think about how many of them may even make it to the decade-old stat- status that they talked about for the others. Mm-hmm. Um, then lastly... These statistics have remained pretty much unchanged over time, and contrary to popular misconceptions, the survival rate curve is pretty similar across all industries. No single industry has a distinctly higher percentage of startups that fail. This is the case even for the restaurant business. So here's the question. So should we just tell people, don't even try, don't even try to, or... Is the alternative? What is the alternative? Well, you well, know what? Ayana has something because she and I were talking. Okay. Why don't you share what you have? You know, because those facts and th- that data makes me feel like, oh my God, why even start? There's some hope. There's some hope. There's okay, some here's hope. the hope. Come on, so Davis. So I read in Black Enterprise uh, that part of the reasons why our businesses fail is because we have, or the quality of connections, mm-hmm. lack of capital or capital barriers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's capital barriers money got it money so money resources, resources okay got it loans yep. or right. you know yep. hard cash yep. uh and um coaching mm-hmm. you yes. know oftentimes we don't have the quality of coaching and you know of course we have that uncle that oh yeah, baby, yeah. let me tell you what you yeah, should yeah. do we have that uncle but the, also we need to consider how we can access coaching from other people that may not look like us. You know, we tend to want to trust Correct. our own, but to court and develop relationships with people that can help guide us and make us successful. So right. those are three factors that I've read that can contribute to the failure of some of these black-owned businesses. You know, coaching or lack of connections because your network is your net worth and capital barriers. Now speak to the speak to the connection part of what you just said because I you know I, sometimes I wonder how do I get young black youth who don't have connections to maybe social status adults who already have those kinds of businesses who are already making it because they live in a let's say for instance they live in an area that social status is poor they don't have uh, ways their parents don't work with those kinds of people they don't have access to those folks how do they get those kinds of connections so one some of us and you know have to go out beyond our radius mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we have to mm-hmm. be comfortable enough to expand our reach so I suggest there are so many like um, regardless of your political affiliation you can do um, the young Democratic clubs or the young Republican clubs. Um, there's different Greek organizations that have youth um, components where they expose the children to uh, financial uh, uh, people that come in and teach financial investors or mm-hmm. um, consultants who come in and give them at the at their level ideas on how they can learn money. Counselors. So it, counselors. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you have to get beyond your radius you, and go mm-hmm. out to different areas mm-hmm. and be aggressively mm-hmm. um, job fairs. looking for mm-hmm. 
ways to join groups and organizations that will teach you about investment, money, business, whatever you're interested in. And, and whatever it is, if you are a person that's into gaming and video games, you can definitely reach groups that can teach Absolutely. you how to monopolize You can on make that. a life off of that So one it's whatever thing. you're yeah. interested in, surfing, whatever you're interested in, there are groups that you can join and belong to that can help you expand your knowledge, expand your skill set, and help you be mo- become more motivated to successfully run your operations. And what's business. interesting about that is we often talk on this program about the social media in a negative light. Mm-hmm. But that's the one area where I think social media has a benefit for these youth who are coming up today because you can go to Facebook, for instance, and join a group. It's free. Mm-hmm. You know, a group with your special interests. You know, you can join the surfing club. You can join the chess club. You can, and then meet other people who may be able to help you out with your business. Sharice, I, I, I cut you off. Go ahead. Well, I know that Ayana had spoken um, to us prior uh, before about, like, she gave us a scenario mm-hmm. of two young ladies, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it taps into, the, I think, that idea of also planning, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Giving yourself time to plan. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, that? Because so I think that's close, powerful. And these are close, close friends. And it doesn't matter to me. I was just thinking about your education level. However, I do have two acquaintances. One is more formally educated. Got it. So she understands about network being her net worth. So before she launched her LLC, her consulting firm, she spent about two years researching and interviewing, making relationships with attorneys, accountants, and other people in the profession that she was seeking after before she took off. And right when she got everything into place, laid her a strong foundation, then she launched her consulting firm. I know another young lady who started a nonprofit organization and just jumped in with a logo. You know, that's mm-hmm. the go-to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're going to, I found a cute logo. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing we do. Get a logo, make sure our package on the outside and looks great. Card. And a business card, <laughs> and now in a website, and, and, and you know, and, and of course, you know your Twitter, Twitter accounts, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But the inside of her corporation, she didn't have the mm, right setup. The she, meat. Didn't, she didn't have the accountant. She didn't have the meat. She didn't have guidance from. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe in attorneys. I do. You find you a good business attorney or yes. whatever taxation. To make sure you don't go to jail. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And you get all your money. And you get your money right. the right way. How mm-hmm. do you file? How mm-hmm. do you invest? So that also is true. Sometimes we're eager and anxious and overly ready to, you know, pull up on everybody. But we, you have to do your groundwork and do yes. your research. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Ayana, Ayana Van Zant has said that. something that just makes me think of what you just said. And she always talks about... You know, doing the work. Do the work. Do the work. That's her mantra. Because, like you said, foundationally, then you have something to stand on when you get to that place where you're, you know, contemplating, okay, do I need to fold because, you know, gosh, it's 18 months and I'm still not where, or do you have a plan already in place that helps you to keep that momentum going, right? Um, I think it's so important to also connect and network with others. Don't be afraid 
to share your thoughts with somebody that you feel that you really can trust, yeah. though. Otherwise. Because you can't share with everybody. Hello. Right? You can't. All dreams are not meant to be shared. Your dream will be, your dream will be a lifetime movie, and yes. you'll be looking at yes, the TV yes, and going, yes. wait a minute. Where's, that's my yeah. idea. Right. Right. Yeah. right. But you got to have somebody you can talk to um, and, you know, go through it and all of that kind of stuff. And I think one of the other things that um, it makes me think of is also don't be afraid to do business with family because mm. sometimes people will say, you know, oh, wait, my watch, watch out now. Right. Business with family. <laughs> but if you're going to do business, do business. Hello. Right. Have a business plan. Sit down and get things signed, contracts signed. Because this is a business that you're going into with a person, not just a family member, right? And, right? Uncle, and Uncle Freddie may not even understand the way to conduct business. Absolutely. So may need the training necessary before you even put Uncle Freddie in a position to fail. Right. My suggestion would That's be true. that conversation happen because too often we take on Uncle Freddie and Uncle Freddie comes into the business and then we misuse Uncle Freddie because Uncle Freddie is just being Uncle Freddie. Right. There's not been a conversation right. about how Uncle Freddie should be appropriate and making yeah. sure he's on time, yeah. making right. sure he's speaking to customers in a certain way. That training doesn't happen sometimes when it's family. We jump a step. Right, right. Also, I've always wanted to say this. I am Dr. Michael Yeager and I am doing my work. <laughs> I've always wanted to copy Ayala Van Sant. You know, we've been talking a lot about hard work and business and doing your work and so forth. And so I have another segment I want to talk about. What happens when, you know, you've done your work, you've, you've, you've done your achievements, you have a great career, you and your spouse have moved to, you know, a wonderful suburban neighborhood and you have kids and now you have two or three children. And, you know, you remember your childhood. And so speaking and looking back at my own childhood, what I didn't have and, you know, there's two sides of the fence when I've spoken to all of my friends. And most of them say, well, I have it now. I didn't have it when I was a kid. So I'm going to give my kids what I didn't have. That's the one take. Then there's the other side that says, no, my children have to learn the value of money and they have to learn the value of hard work. Otherwise, they won't have when they get older. What side of the fence are you ladies on? Where do you land? First, in your childhood, how were you reared? And then how has that made a difference? And have you carried that same tradition of the way you learned about money and the way you were treated as it was related to money as a kid? How is that sort of manufactured in what you've doing, done with your own children? You know, for the most part, there were conversations about money in my family. Mm -hmm. You know, we did talk about money and we, and being responsible and managing your money. Not so much was there a lot of conversations about saving, mm. but there was a good conversation about responsible spending. Mm -hmm. So I did that with my son. And of course I wanted, because he's a male, I wanted him to really, be uh, independent and uh, live his best life. So I tried to make sure that I took him around people that can even give him more information than what I had. Got it. You know, and it, he took classes and, you know, I really wanted him to know about account his, his accounting. When I was younger, I had a girlfriend and she was the daughter of two dentists. Got it. So she had exposure, a little bit more information and resources than right, I had. Right. So she spent her winter vacations around the world. They would ski. Exposure. Exposure. 
I would take a annual or b- sometimes a trip to Big Bear with the church mm-hmm. for the day, mm-hmm. and we would mm-hmm. throw snowballs, and then that was that. So although we both saw snow, we experienced it differently Absolutely. because mm-hmm. they were able to afford that. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's such a thing where you can spoil your children unless you're being teaching them how to be irresponsible with money Got it. Mm-hmm. and spending. But if you have access, information, and resources that you're able to afford comfortably a certain lifestyle, then you still are teaching your children how to be responsible. They just have a different access to a different lifestyle. Correct. That's the difference between lifestyle and just spoiling your children. Yeah. Sometimes we spoil our children by trying to give them a lifestyle that we cannot afford. Hmm. 100%. And they misunderstand 100%. that. And they misunderstand that. You just that hit that on the head. Because your intention may to provide for them some comfortability, but the impact causes damage. I receive all of that because I was not raised with the concept of money. I knew that because of my mom's life, that literally when we moved or I was raised in Compton and in L.A. and on Figueroa 120th, I knew that we were paycheck to paycheck, but I never worried about money. My mother always had it under control. So I had a safety net of not having to worry about it, even though I knew that we didn't have a lot of money. I saw on TV and outside of my world in Compton all of these major, which I thought were fantasies of rich people who were living a particular way. And I was told of, you know, even my mother's life growing up and how her family had money. And then obviously she was separated from that money by marrying a black man. So, you know, that was sort of played a big impact on me and my concept of, do you lose money when you do something or do you gain money because of certain things? What happens? You know what I mean? And so fast forwarding that to the way in which, you know, I think I've been very unsuccessful, quite honestly, in the way that I've handed over the concept of money to my children. I think some of them are really good with money, and I think the other ones sort of got that idea of just spin, 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 and not really budget. And so it hasn't been a great sort of teaching message to my children. Yeah, and your relationship with money has a lot to do with, like I said before, I didn't have it when I was young. So when I actually got to the place where I had more than enough money for myself and you know the children that were living with me, I overspent constantly and wanted to yeah. show that myself, not even for others, yeah. but that I had, a, and I like nice things. So that yeah. also played a part. You yeah. know what I mean? I had expensive taste and yeah. where'd that come from? And why yeah. do you want the most expensive thing? And why do you want yeah. the Jordan instead of mm-hmm. just going and getting that converse? You know, that all plays a part in the way that I looked at money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would say pretty much very similar to both of you, um, except and I won't even say except there was an add-on. Uh-huh. And so the add-on was um, that very early, well, let me go back to my childhood. My mother was very good, single mother, very, very good about explaining money and how it works with us, my sister and my, you know, both of us. Um, we would sit with her to do bills. Wow, great. And she would say, okay, this is, you know, this is what my check looks like, Mm -hmm. and these are the bills that need to be paid. And so consequently, when I got a job at 14, working at the pool, that's why I love all that water, (laughs) um, but when I got that job, she was very clear at the beginning that that money is not just for you to just have to go spend. You got a bill. That's right. Uh So first, there's a savings. Right. You've got to put some towards savings because you will need that at some point. And then there was this idea that, you know, you will also contribute to, for instance, um, in high school, um, went to private school. 
And so she, her thing was, you you are going to buy the clothes that you have to wear. Got it. Now, she paid for the books because, you know, you had to pay for the books <laughs> and stuff, too. But, you know, she was like, your uniform is your uniform. That's what you're wearing. Instead of the clothes that you would go and spend and buy or whatever, then that's a part of what you would spend on. Right. So just very, you know, very clear about the responsibilities that come with, you know, money and the things that you are supposed to take care of. And so consequently... Um, when my kids came along, I kind of followed in that same suit. By that time, I had a little bit more knowledge. So they got an allowance, but that was because I was reading books like um, Susie Orman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And right. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But there was another book that um, had come out at that time when they were young. Like, I think my son might have been like seven, you know, and the others, you know, um, five and all of that kind of stuff. But it was called Money Doesn't Grow on Trees. And the concept was you teach them to put aside, you give them an allowance based on their age. So if right. they're seven, you give them $7, right? right? And then the $7, you, you divide that into these little jars. 10% was for savings, long-term, short-term, and great then concept. just whatever, right. you know, your own little spending. Yes. Um, so just fast forward... I've read a lot more books on, uh, you know, finances and all of that kind of stuff. Kids are in elementary school, and I realized, because I had I worked in school, so my kids kind of went where I went, right? Mm -hmm. That was saving me money. <laughs> and so um, in the beginning, I was at a school that was, you know, a little less affluent, moved to a school later that was more affluent, and realized that, wait a minute, the people over here, they don't spend their money on back-to-school clothes. Mm. I was like, that is so interesting. interesting. That was an interesting concept to me. And realize that, you know, because we do, you know, uh, realistically, black folks are the biggest consumer. I got to have those new Jordans. And so. School was about to start. Yeah. So yeah. changed my thinking mm -hmm. around that. Mm -hmm. And that's where we were able to begin to afford what Ayana talked about was mm -hmm. those trips. Yeah. Right? So yeah. instead of the money that I spent on clothes, I spent it on summer vacations. Right. More exposure right. and all those kinds of things. So um, I think that quite naturally, I'm probably just at the place in my life where I feel like I'm doing well with, with money. Mm -hmm. But in terms of children, I feel like I've taught them what I was taught, that there is responsibility with money. And it's just not to just like kind of just kind of do what all the time just what you will you have to think about it you have to have a plan for right, it and stuff right, like that right. my grandfather i'll let he, he rest his soul such a great man the one thing that i took with me that he has he always said and i tell them is you need to live hard for five years uh -oh. and seriously live hard is what he would say only do what you can do and the rest you put aside yeah. he said if you do that for five years yeah. you will live the rest of your life well guess what word yeah. that is hmm. sounds like sacrifice Hmm. Which Dis is what discipline. I've, I've yes, yes, definitely discipline. But I've always explained um, to anyone who would listen sort of my path with the word of sacrifice. I have a special relationship with sacrifice. I always realized that I needed to give away something, uh, whether it be time um, or something, to this notion that I want something back. So going into the military, my brothers just knew that I would be back in a week. Mm -hmm. But I knew I needed to sacrifice early on because I was one of those kids mm -hmm. who did not have a focus going into college. I knew I was college ready. In other words, I knew that I knew how to write great sentences, paragraphs. 
essays sure, and sure. so forth. I knew what it, I had to, to take to be able to do the education part. But I didn't have a focus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so part of me going into the military was sacrifice. Got Why it. would someone like me go in the military? Right. I mean, do you see me in the military? No. You, most people I do can. not. Well, you can. Well, I'm athletic and so forth. But the reality was I wasn't suited for the military, even in my personality. I don't believe. Because the whole notion of the, of the, of the service when you first go in is to listen to orders. Mm-hmm. And for those who know me, I have a very rebellious sort of mm-hmm. non-authoritative behavior. I don't like people telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. And so that really smacked in the face of what I was ready for. But what I told myself was, this is for a reason. Mm-hmm. You need this money. You need this discipline. You need this organization. They have some things to give you. Mm-hmm. So this next three years, while your friends are partying, Right. And you're at the earliest part of your life at 1920 where you should be out there getting it just like everybody else. You need to take some time and some years just to make sure you set yourself up right. for the future. And I don't normally agree with Sharice as it relates to generational wealth and planning and getting ready. I'm much more rebellious and spontaneous when it comes to that. But I do like the whole part of sacrifice for young people, putting in the work so that something manifests later. Mm-hmm. I will also share that for me as a young person in my relationship with money, I realized and I realize now that there's three major stressors, relationships, money, and health. Mm-hmm. Most articles will point to those three as being the stressors of our life. As it relates to money, I am now finding that where I am now, and I'm talking about today, is I'm allowing myself to have faith that the money will be there. It's not going to just show up like rainbows and bananas and oranges, but I know that money will always be in a reciprocal process heading to Michael as long as I'm doing the right thing that I need to do, which is setting myself up for promise of money. So I don't like, you know, there is no right and wrong answer to sort of round this up about what's the right attitude. Should we spoil our children? Should we not? Should we give them the money that we didn't have? Should we make them work for it? I think there's no right answer. But I do think that the right answer is making sure that our youth and our young people who fall up under us as children, whether it be our own kids or anybody else, that we do a mentoring relationship with them as it relates to money. And they can make up their own minds. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Because right. it's their life. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're finished, you know? Right. All right. I think we're Thank out for this. Thank you for your service. Absolutely. Thank you for even saying that. I appreciate that. All right, yes. y'all, ready to go. Take us out. So listen, follow us, rate. Our show, wherever you listen to podcasts, No Longer Neutral. And follow us on Instagram at No Longer Neutral. All right, you guys. We are so excited that you joined us today. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Talk Talk to to you you later.